you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Welcome in, listeners. I want to mention that, hey, today is a little different. I'm missing my compadre, so I'll be having to get my Oprah on, solo acting it without my man Peanut Tillman today. He's busy doing a couple things, but that's not a big deal. It's okay, though. But I do want to ask specifically my listeners to go back out there, continue to spread the word about this podcast, and continue to give us a rating, a review, and a follow on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever else you listen to your podcast. Now, it's been a crazy two weeks in the NFL. Very dramatic week 18. Teams fighting for playoff positioning. The playoffs start this weekend. Really looking forward to that. The NFL is just now starting to heat up. We all know once the playoff starts, everything ratchets up another level. Another thing that happened during last week, the last two weeks is, and this is probably what's really got everybody's emotions going, is uh, the NFL community really getting behind and really trying to show some love in, uh, to, in the country as well, all rally behind Bills player DeMar Hamlin. After he was injured last Monday in the game against the Bengals, we all saw it, and we will talk about DeMar and much more in this episode today with our guest, Eric Wood. Now, listen, if you don't know that name right off the top of your head, you're playing with yourself. You need to pay a little bit more attention here. Eric is a beloved member of the Bills Mafia. He spent his entire nine-year NFL career with the Buffalo Bills. He's now in his fourth season as calling games for the Bills Radio Network. He also has a podcast himself. He's a businessman and a man of faith, which he leads on, because when you look up his Wikipedia, that's the first thing it says. I like a man like that. He lives on it. So, Welcome in, Eric. Welcome to NFL Players Second Acts Podcast, my man. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. It's an honor to be on with you, Roman. I appreciate that intro a lot, my brother. Oh, man, no doubt, man. It's much deserved. Hey, look, bro, I see you repping Louisville in the background. Got your Pro Bowl helmet up. That's what I'm saying. We got to give you some respect, my brother. Come on, dog. It's all good. So we got some more great news about DeMar Hamlin uh, within the last 24 to 48 hours. Uh, that he was released from the hospital. He's in Buffalo now. He's at now at home, uh, continuing some rehab and things of that nature. Uh, that's a long way from where we were a week and a half ago when we saw him laying on that field in Cincinnati, Eric. Um, how do you put into the words the roller coaster of emotions from not only yourself, but also the Buffalo community and the people that you cover uh, with this situation over the last week and a half? It, it, being in that stadium that Monday night calling the game, Roman, we've seen injuries happen all throughout the NFL, throughout our time in the NFL, in broadcasting and media. You know what a football injury looks like, and sometimes it's gruesome. Look, I did the Joe Theismann leg break my rookie year and went straight into an ambulance, but I'm with it. You know, it's it's not something out of the realm that football players know you're subjected to. The horror, the panic on the players, the coaches, and even a lot of the medical staff and trainers was, is an image that'll last with me forever. We were completely shaken. The entire stadium in Cincinnati was shaken. This was 
I'm originally from Cincinnati. Yeah. This was the most electrifying I've ever seen that stadium. And sometimes Bill's Mafia can bring that out in the fan base too. Like they kind of invade. And so you get extra loud yourself. And it truly was an incredible atmosphere. And then less than 10 minutes in the game, it is dead silent. You know, they say there's one in every crowd. There was none in that crowd. There was no one saying, get up off the field. Let's mm -hmm. play this game. Anybody that was within, a, within an eye shot of seeing the reaction on the field knew that this was different. And so you have a young man who is so well-respected, so well-loved in Buffalo, in that community, within the team, in Pittsburgh. You hear Mike Tomlin talk about him. This is a guy that has impacted so many lives, leg on the ground fighting for his life. Others are fighting for his life, essentially, mm -hmm. on the field. And then you're thinking, what's best-case scenario here? What's best case scenario? What's best case scenario when you shock him and it doesn't work? You do almost nine minutes of CPR and you're losing oxygen, blood flow to your brain. What's best case scenario? Being a vegetable? Like, is that the best case scenario in this situation? Throughout the week, the news got progressively better to the point where Sunday against the Patriots in Orchard Park turned into a celebration. <laughs> a celebration. Initially, it's the celebrating the trainers pregame. Roman, you know this from all your time in the NFL, the trainers are behind the scenes and get no credit, but oftentimes they're they're the ones that are helping you get to the game each week. They're doing so much unnoticed, yep. unrecognized. Well, they wanted to recognize the trainers, have them run out of the tunnel and celebrate them <laughs> instead of the team running out like individually. And they said, well, we got to, if the players are on the field, we got to be working. You know, there's taping to be done, last right. minute taping. Right. There's guys that need stretches, shoulder mobs, ankle mobs, whatever it may be. That's the type of guys these are. And so it turns into a celebration. First, the trainers, then Naeem Hines runs back the kickoff. Then he returns another, another kickoff one. for a touchdown. And it was it was a special day, especially with all the news that was coming out that DeMar was in, you know, the new Sunday morning was excellent neurological function, 100% lung function. And so to us, we're like, oh my gosh, this is, this is literally a miracle. I don't want to, I'm a man of faith. I don't want to undermine all the work that went in mm -hmm. and, and everybody that contributed to that. But even the doctors will say, you know, this, this is a young man that, that is doing better than we thought he would be doing. And so um, there, was, there was so much good that's come out of this. You know, it's hard to tell non-Christians that, hey, you know, there, there will be something good that comes from this when there's a 24 year old that may lose his life. Mm -hmm. See the NFL community come together, see this country come together. It was, it was I mean, beautiful. Eric, I, I, look, man, like it, it has to be said, like you can be a man of faith or you can believe in whatever you want to, but you can't tell me it's not a higher power than what we saw when we saw DeMar laying out there. We saw everybody, the emotions on that field, not only that, but looking at, so you were at the game, but watching it from TV was probably even scarier because we had never seen anything like that before. We saw the hit. We saw him get up. We saw him go back down, and you just don't know what's up. Then you see the CPR. You see we're literally trying to save a person's life, and you don't know why. Like you said, I've seen the most gruesome injuries. I've seen Achilles. I've seen ACLs. I've seen compound fractures. I've seen, and that doesn't shake you. As a football player, it doesn't shake you. But when you see one of your guys that all of a sudden they're not moving, they're unresponsive, they and the looks on the players' faces told you that something was different. Um, and then to see the way that America responded, the people that were calling the game, Joe Buck and Troy, they were having struggles just to try and put it into words. So it was really tough. And so that almost that glimpse of that, like looking inside 
uh, for the American people and for everybody else around the world watching that night, I think it was, I think it was very moving. I think for the first time in a long time, we weren't looked at as just a football player or just a guy in a jersey. Everybody that that pulled at everybody's heartstrings just a little bit. It did. It truly did. And the reaction throughout the week was just special. I mean, it was just different. I mean, this is a country that's just so divided on everything. And, you know, we, we sit 50-50 on politics. We have religions, race, and everything yep. that divides this country. But one thing most Americans love is sports. Yes. And America's favorite pastime now, America's definitely most popular and profitable pastime, is the NFL. And so in the biggest stage, the most anticipated Monday Night Football game since I can remember, this happens. It was a stage that brought this country together and the amount of love and outpouring that came from this. And then even DeMar's comments when he comes out and as he's as he's putting out messages through social media, it was just special that that young man now is saying, hey, just tell tell three people you love them. I mean, yeah. how simple is that? But his message wasn't, you know, I'm a fighter. I'll be back. It was, man, it's been the the love and the outpouring has been incredible. Thank you. Keep it going. Keep it moving forward. Talking about that that outpouring love, um, I, I know a lot of people watch football. They they love football and they all want to be a part of it and different things. But um, I don't think as many people understand just how close the guys are inside of a locker room and how much time we spend together. And sometimes we spend way more time with your teammates than you do your actually family. Like that your football team becomes your family and our families become families with each other because of all the time spent especially over years. You were in Buffalo for nine years. So you have family members that were not your original family members until you showed up there. Uh, can you maybe talk to the listeners uh, just about the world of the brotherhood that is the NFL or a locker room and uh, kind of share that part or your experience with that? You know, we always talk about the brotherhood of the NFL, but it's not always on display for everyone to see. And, and I often tell people this, like, yes, I want to go out on Sunday and I want to whoop the person in front of me, but I also want him to walk to his family after the yeah. game and hug them and, and be fine. Like, I never want to take someone out on a field. I'm not going to do anything dirty to a player on a football field that could injure him. Like, yep. I'm not – we – we there's a certain level of respect. When I got to the NFL, people early on in my career, what's the biggest difference between college and the NFL? I said, in the NFL, during TV timeouts, if the offense and the defense is out there, you have guys that train together in the offseason, maybe play together in college. They're dapping each other up, asking about people's families – well, then you got to flip the switch and go, but it's different. Like that didn't happen often in college, but there's just a certain amount of respect. And when guys cross that line of respect, they lose their reputation quick in the league because it truly is a brotherhood. So as of, ta as of this taping on Thursday, January 12th, nearly eight and a half, almost close to getting closer to $9 million has been donated to DeMars, the Chasing M's Foundation for his annual toy drive. Like how amazing... Is that and what does that say about the person Demar is? That so many people in Buffalo and around this country and possibly the world showed him love in that way. Yeah, it's a, it's amazing the support because so many were just looking to do anything they possibly could. Could it be dollars that in Demar's name make an impact 
further than this game. And so now DeMar and his foundation, they're going to be able to do so much more than a toy drive. They can do a toy <laughs> drive for essentially about most of the country with this amount of money, but they're going to be able to do so much more with this money. And when you look at the list of people on the list, I mean, it was amazing, you know, and, and so many donated anonymously and that's great. And, and I respect that as well. I also yeah. think that there's a point in leadership that when a Tom Brady puts Tom Brady in 10 grand immediately after there's something to be said about leaders leading the way, Robert Kraft, your rival who you're playing the following week, who owns the team does $18,003. 18 is a, a Jewish number for life three for DeMar Hamlin, like that is a sign of respect. And I'm fine with you getting the credit for that donation because you're leading the way. And so to me, it reminds me of Ephesians. God can do immeasurably more than whatever we ask or imagine. And 2,500 is what we, what DeMar asked and imagined. And here's God doing immeasurably more. Well, Eric, man, I appreciate that, man. Um, all right. So we're going to take a little break right here. Um, I want to continue to tell all of our listeners just how well DeMar's doing. It's been a huge improvement in the fact that now he's back home doing some rehab and really working to it better improve himself and his and everything that's uh everything that's is the family and everybody's so excited about. So we'll be back. We're gonna pay some bills. And now when we come back, we're gonna really jump into what Eric's doing next for himself personally and how his growth has continued to expound since his uh time of hanging it up. So thank you. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. We talked about DeMar having a life-changing injury. Eric, you know what that's well about. Um, in 2017, you're about to go to your second Pro Bowl. I see one Pro Bowl helmet behind you right there. You're about to go to your second Pro Bowl. You just signed a contract extension. And then all of a sudden, boom, you have a career-ending injury uh, because of your neck, at your neck. So when did you go from, okay, this is just a normal injury, I'm feeling a little pain, to... Uh, no, you're not going to be able to play anymore. Man, Roman, it was such a unique experience. And my first four years in the league, come in as a first-round draft pick, never been hurt in my life, start every game at the University of Louisville from my freshman year on, get to the NFL. It's a Joe Theismann leg break. It's a high ankle sprain the next year. It's an ACL the following. It's an MCL the following. And then I start 52 consecutive games, which was the most for any active center in the NFL at the time, break mm -hmm. my other leg on Monday Night Football in 2016, 2017 season, Sean McDermott's hired, Brandon Bean's hired, and everyone thinks we're tanking, but I can't leave Buffalo while we're still in the longest playoff drought in all pro sports. Like, I can't leave Buffalo, and I'm heading into a contract year, so the Bills offer me a contract, and I sign it. They offer me a contract extension, the first one Brandon Bean gave out with his tenure with the Bills. I didn't I know that. Yeah, so, so I signed a contract extension before the 2017 season, we're the team that breaks the playoff drought when everyone thought we were tanking after we traded away our last top three draft choices. And I'm the only player on the team to play every single snap that season, including the playoff game. Now, I did get stingers for the first time in my life. And for those yep. listening, you know, a burning, numbing sensation down your arm. For me, it was my arm. It can be other extremities for others. And 
I didn't think anything of it because my high school buddies got stingers. They're fine. Like, yep. why would this be any differently? They came more frequently. So I go to exit physicals. My son's about to be born. And I said, hey, I got to get back to Louisville. I'm going to drive home just so I make, make sure that I'm there for the birth of my son. I played every snap. Just clear me for the Pro Bowl. I'm good. They said, grab an MRI on your way out of town, on your neck. Just let's just make sure everything's okay. We'll, we'll just call you. You don't even have to come back in. I'm sure it's fine. I get the news while I'm in the delivery room waiting on my son to be born January 11th, which was yesterday, the day of my son's birthday. Happy birthday. Appreciate it. And figure out that I have a career-ending neck injury. At C2, C3, there's disc and bone sitting into my spinal cord where they are not sure how it hasn't affected me a lot worse. But I absolutely, even with surgery, have no possibility for return. And so I go from getting a contract extension I'm eventually, you know, the following year, I'd be Josh Allen's mentor. They wanted me to be the veteran center in front of their first round quarterback that they were going to take the following year. Mm -hmm. And that was going to be me. So for me, that would have been a as I looked at it. OK, this is a chance for me. I look and I love pro football. I'd have played till the wheels fell off. It's a blessing. God took me out when he did, because how would I quit now? They're as good as the <laughs> Yeah, they're so good. Now. <laughs> I could have never quit. And so but. To me, I'm thinking, okay, I get to pour into a young quarterback. That'll kind of be my legacy that I leave on with the Bills, you know, how I can mentor the guys and all that. Well, then it's all stripped away in an instant, and I had to figure out what was next for me. So when you get this news, all right, you've been, I mean, like you listed off all the injuries before once you got into the league. When you get this news, um, kind of take me through emotions of you getting this news, you're in the late, the, you're in the labor room with your with your son, the birth of your son. And I can talk to this about a little bit because um, in 2013, my 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 girlfriend, my then wife, my now wife was actually went into labor. I was playing in a playoff game. I was in San Francisco. I get a call that morning. I missed like four phone calls. She's like, I'm going into labor, but I'm going to wait on it. I'm going to hold it. I'm like, OK, cool. That was my first kid. So I didn't know. I'm like, yeah, cool. And so go play in the game. We lose the game in San Francisco. And all of a sudden, but you get this, this, this joy. I get this picture of my daughter. And mm. so it's this, it's this crazy sense of emotions where you go from this sad to this like relief. And like, it really is like somebody smiling down on you at the end. I want you to tell me what your emotions were like going through such a wave of the negativity of hearing that you're not going to play, able to play this game that you love. You've been playing it since you were a little kid, I assume, and versus now, but you still have a little baby boy now. Yeah, it sounds like your wife's a lot like my wife, too, because <laughs> if we would have went on the playoffs and I couldn't make it, she was like, don't worry about it. I was like, no, I am worried about yeah, it. Yeah, ex she was like, yeah. got to go. You got to go. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. so, yeah, similar wives in, in that sense. But, you know, I caught wind that morning that, it was probably worse than they thought and this and that. Mm -hmm. And so I get the call and we're literally in the delivery room. And my wife was like, just answer. We both want to know. And so I couldn't even speak. I gave her the thumbs down and she started crying. The nurse was like, it's baby. It's not going to hurt that bad. And she's like, it's not about the baby, you know, we <laughs> laugh about it now. but um, you know, so that was, that was there was a lot of emotion tied to a career that you poured so much into. And look, I love pro football. My wife loved pro football. We loved spending yeah. half a year in Buffalo and had a house up there. We had great friends up there. You talk about the family, the people we're going to miss. I mean, it, it was going to affect us. But yes. then we get this little boy who's truly my mini me. For those out there, check it out on my Instagram at Ewood70 or my Twitter. 
like literally God gave me a miniature version of myself as my career is taken away. He gives me this son. So now I have this healthy, beautiful little girl who's two and a half years older. And now I have literally a miniature version of myself who now at five years old is my best friend. And so it's the highest highs and low lows. And ultimately, no matter how much you can say, look, for me, it's faith and it's family, then even friends, then football. Man, when football is taken away from you and you put so much into it, you realize that there is a piece of your identity wrapped up in being a pro ball player and not even just the game in in identifying as a professional football player. Yeah, it's it's everything. It's it's your whole life. It's not only that, but it's your family's life. It's, you know, they're used to coming to the games and rooting for you. They're used to traveling and doing all these things. I don't think we realize how much everybody else is revolves around you and your world when you make it to the ultimate pinnacle of what you've been shooting for your whole life. Another- well, just real quick, yeah, go. for those listening out there, you know, no matter what profession you're in, but especially pro football, be very sensitive to your family members at that time because you think it's all about you, but it, it's not. And I neglected that for a little while. You know, it was all about, you know, how quick can I get this weight off so my body feels good? And they told me to lose some weight to help relieve some of the neck tension. And ah. but then it's all me, me, me. What am I going to do next? I'm going to prove that I can be a businessman. I'm going to prove that I can get in the broadcast booth. And I wasn't nearly as, as sensitive as I should have been to my wife. And and look, we're in a we're in a great place now. But for those out there that are going, you know, if you're a CEO, if you're a big time pastor, you, you everybody in your family's got to live that life, too. And it's not just you that has to transition in those moments. I'm glad you brought up transitioning. So when you retired from the NFL and you were transitioning to a new way of life, what sorts of things did you do? Uh, Did you write down to keep yourself positive, Uh, especially in the moments when you really miss being part of the game? I I know we all kind of go through those moments and those times of loneliness or the sense of what are we doing to do next? Uh, Because our path at one point in time was just ball and it just took us to where we are eventually. So maybe you could share with your transition. Yeah, that's a great question. So for me, it was a lot of conversations. It was a lot of trying to learn from other people that transitioned successfully, no matter what they were in in life. You know, what were your next steps? For me, I'm a man of faith. So I continue to pour into my faith. You know, I'm, I'm a gratitude journal guy. Three things in the morning you're grateful for every day. That has been proven to literally rewire your brain to where throughout the day you start looking for things because your brain wants to put as least amount of stress possible on itself at all times. So when it knows it has to write down three things that you're grateful for, it'll just start looking for them and taking mental notes as opposed to looking for the things that are ticking you off on a constant basis. You're looking for constant things you're grateful for so that you can write them down and not have to rack your brain later. And so i I stayed consistent with that to kind of put myself in a great head place. But man, just surrounding yourself with the right types of people. I started a podcast, What's Next with Eric Wood, just trying to learn from others and how they transitioned. You know, being around football in in a broadcast sense, not doing the coaching hours, not doing the front office hours, but being able to still have my foot in the door and be around the game's been been good for my soul because there's others that, you know, they walk away on their own terms and they can they can just roll. For me, I wasn't done yet with the game of football. So right. being around the game of football in, in in a small capacity calling the games has been good for me as well. When did you decide that you want to try and like dabble into this whole uh, broadcasting deal? I, I got to know because I, I have my own journey of when I thought I could do it. And now that I'm starting to do it, 
Um, it's been really cool to kind of dive into, but it does give you a sense of you're around the game. You get to see this game. What, what made you say, all right, this is probably what I'd like to do. So right when my career ended, a bunch of national media members reached out and said, Hey, you were always great to me. If I can ever do anything for you, let me know. So I utilized them as resources, but the bills, because of salary cap purposes and me just signing that contract extension, they had to keep me on the team until May 31st. If they kept me on until June 1st, then my salary kicks in. But they couldn't cut me before free agency or all my dead cap money kicks in. But they left me on the on the roster that long. Mm-hmm. Well, now I can't go get a job or I'm retired and not injured. Oh. And so I literally could do nothing, which put me, you know, for someone wired like me was not great at times. But it also made me take some time off and, and really have some introspection of what I want to do next. And being around ball was something that I wanted to do, but also with young kids, it wasn't going to be great if I hopped into coaching or anything Mm -hmm. else. And so I wanted to hop into the media world. I needed to, I'm an offensive lineman from playing my whole career in Western New York on a, on a bad team for almost my entire career. And so look, I I get it. If, if I wait five years, people are going to be like, who are you again? And so I needed to hop right in. And like anything, I didn't stop. I, I didn't start on Monday Night Football like Jason Witten. And that's yep. OK. You know, I started calling. I called one game for Fox my first year out and did two pregame shows. The next year, I called games for college games for ESPN and ACC Network and Bill's radio broadcast for two years so I could get double the experience. Yep. See what I liked between TV and radio better. I got a face for radio and the Bills are good. <laughs> it's fun. And so I stuck with the Bills radio broadcast and then started doing some podcasting where I kind of control my own hours. Yeah. I control my guests. I control the conversations. And yeah, there's times where you got to hustle for a sponsorship or whatever it may be. But for me, I can go play pickleball in the morning. I can play some golf. I can pick up my kids from school and drive them to school when I want to and not have to get that structure because, you know, doing everyday radio, yeah, that pays pretty good. But if you're on from noon to three, good luck playing golf. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Would you say your transition was good? And how would you encourage other people to like, you know, take some time in between? Uh, Would you suggest maybe taking more time off? Like, well, you said you didn't do that, but... Would you say that that process was good for you or would you maybe suggest uh, maybe taking some time? For me personally, I took 365 days and did absolutely nothing. And then I kind of decompressed and then I figured out, all right, what do I truly want to do? Because I I had no idea. I didn't want to coach. My father was a coach and I knew he wasn't around all the time. And the kind of same thing you said, well, sometimes you may still be kind of have that pent up energy. So I don't know if I need to go and coach because then I may be too intense for these kids. Like or like, I don't know. So maybe. You kind of walk me through your process or what your belief is now and what how it should be handled. Yeah, when I when I said I, I was with Fox my first year out, you know, I literally called one game and that was on Thanksgiving weekend because no one wanted to call games that weekend. And so that was the one opportunity I got. And I did two pregame shows. So it felt like I took off 365 days. You right. know, don't don't get me wrong. I, I We went to Bill's games. For the first time ever, not working, not playing. I went to Louisville Cardinal games, which I had never done. Had you, you know, tailgated? Was this your first time getting a tailgate? Because I remember my getting... first time tailgating. It was like the best time of my life. Oh, no doubt. No <laughs> doubt. I went down. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick was playing for the Buccaneers. We went and visited Fitz. And, you know, I'd go see buddies play that I'd never got the opportunity to just go casually sit there. And so – uh, that was fun to take some time off. And you definitely need time to decompress and appreciate 
what you've done, especially if you have a long enough career in the NFL. I actually wrote a book called Tackle What's Next. I see it right and, there behind you. Let's dive yeah, into so that. Give and me a and for bit. me, honestly, it's not a lot of my original opinions. It's many podcast guests, and a lot of it is fueled what their advice to me was through this time. And so there's steps in, hey, we got to identify our gifts again. If we can't, you know, a lot of people as an NFL football player, your your gifts are maybe critical thinking, communication, whatever it may be, but you have physical gifts that you no longer are going to be able to use on a football field. Okay, what other gifts do you have? And use those to figure out how you can serve others. Because if you can bring value to others, then you will, one, feel value yourself, and that's going to be fulfillment. So bringing value to others will bring you fulfillment. So you got to utilize your gifts to do that. And when you bring value to either enough people or valuable people, you will be compensated and, and, and maybe compensated royally for that. But I will say this, in your time transitioning out, whether it's an executive coach, whether it's having someone uh, like Dr. Dr. Mondo, who I had on my podcast, who has the cheat code, who can work with you mentally, uh-huh. getting in the proper mental space to hit that transition, I think is as big as anything because Roman, I know you have as many buddies as me that truly struggle in that transition out, but it's not their own fault. You know, we're not coached through it like we've been coached our entire life. One of the hardest things for me was creating a schedule on my own because for the (laughs) longest time since I was born, you know, someone's dictating your days for you and now you just have this freedom. Yeah, well, we're so we're so used to getting that schedule, right? The piece of paper, or we know our schedule: Mondays this, Tuesdays this, Wednesdays that, all the way up to a game, and it's just what you do for all your life. And then all of a sudden, you no longer get that that schedule, and we all yearn for that. And we do have a lot of friends, especially me, that have struggled with this transition. And sometimes, when I feel bad on myself, I still have to be thankful in my own space and just say, "Hey, look, it's still ninety percent of people out here wish." that they could handle or be exactly where you're at right now. You found your second act, Eric, in the media space. And you're doing radio, you're calling some games, you're doing your podcast, which has been great for you. Um, And you're being a father as well. Do these things scratch the competitive itch? Yes and no. So yes, I'm trying to be the best Christian man, husband, father, I can be on a daily basis. And I do get weekly grades from my wife because I want to, you know, I gotta have a score. Does she grade you? Well, it, you know, at first, I need this. I need this. Like the grading scale in my house. Just like, okay. Okay. So Roman, this is one of the I best pieces of advice. This is one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was weekly. Just check in with your wife when you know, she's got some free time and say, Hey, as a husband and father, grade me on a scale of one to 10, give me some feedback, but you cannot justify anything and you can't combat anything. It's not, Hey, you didn't help get the kids ready. You know, that, that hurt my feelings or I needed some help there. And then you rush us out the door, but you didn't help at all. And you say, thank you, baby. I appreciate that. Cause, cause we want to grow. We need feedback. We're so, That's used, it. To, we're That's so it. used to every six inch step we take on a football field being analyzed, but then you go to be a husband and dad and there's not a specific playbook. There's not a, you know, someone giving you constant feedback. If there's not those open lines of communication where you're not going to justify or combat it. And so that's one of the best pieces of advice I've ever got. And so, yeah, I mean, like yesterday I checked in or two days ago, I checked in and she said, uh, you know, everything's been awesome. I'm glad you, I was supposed to play pickleball yesterday morning, day of my son's birthday. And I wanted to be there in the morning. So I canceled it. And she goes, and I really appreciate you canceling that pickleball game. Like simple built me up, you know, that built me up. And so, 
um, you know, it, it's been a healthy exercise, but you asked about competitiveness and I'll say this comp- for my like strengths finders test, competitiveness is always number one. And okay. so for me, I got to find, you know, whether that's golf or pickleball or things that I can compete at in my life in business can be that way podcasts and numbers and whatnot. But for me, I just love competition. And so getting a golf game here and there, playing some pickleball a few mornings a week where I can truly compete with a group of guys is just good for my soul. I, I, I do think that that competitiveness, however you find it, a little healthier in sports than other things is great for people. So number one, my mind's blown. The whole grading scale with the wifey. I'm definitely taking this and putting it into my life because I need that. I'm so used to being graded on everything. And not only that, but I love feedback. I, I love getting coached up. Like that's all we, that's all we get. And so, but I cannot be combative. That's the key to this. So I can't say anything. Yeah. I just got to be just thankful. Thank, thank you, baby. I love you. Thank you, baby. I love you. All right. I'm getting better this morning, Eric. I, I feel the juices flowing. Now, another thing, Eric, that you have been competitive with has been your weight loss. I told you as soon as I saw you, I said, dude, you look like a linebacker, probably even a tight end. I can see you catching some touchdowns right now. Um, how much weight did you, how much did you weigh uh, during your playing days? And was there a moment either during or after your playing career when you decided you had to lose your playing weight? Yeah, so I played, the heaviest I ever played was 316 pounds at 6 a.m. the Friday before at weigh-ins. I consistently played between 308 and 310. I was okay. 309 at 6 a.m. before our final playoff game. And so that was That's kind of amazing my, you remember that exact number. Well, That's well, amazing you remember that. You know, for me, I don't really do anything halfway, and I don't really like to wait around on things. So for me, it was how quick can I get this off because I know it's going to make me feel better, and, and I and I need to look. You know, when I was a junior in high school, I was six four two oh five. I wasn't naturally three ten. I put the weight right. on because I wasn't that great of an athlete, and so. To, but then, as an offensive lineman, you end up being a really good athlete if you can move a little bit. <laughs> so I put the weight on for for a long period of time to be able to earn a money and earn generational wealth for my family, compete at the game I love. But I got it off in in four months. I lost fifty three pounds. Wow. I'm anywhere between two forty five and two fifty five now. So I'm down, you know, fifty five, sixty five pounds, and and feel good. Look, like I said earlier, in in broadcasting, I ain't you know one of these great looking dudes that you want to put on camera. But I look like a football player still. You know, <laughs> if, if I go if I go too far uh, on the light scale, then then I'm not gonna look like a football player anymore, and I might not look like I can kick uh grace's boyfriend's butts here in a few years <laughs> hey that's important we've seen hey we've seen bad boys too with will smith and martin lawrence that's important bro you gotta be hey, able to scare got, the boy you gotta highlight you and you got a highlight reel you could show off <laughs> there's no doubt bro no doubt so it is funny though because when i see some of my former teammates that have lost all the weight it, it goes it kind of, you're right, Eric. It is this like happy medium where you don't want to lose too much because then it's like, because you don't really lose weight in your head and you guys get too skinny, right? And then they look like, you know, it just looks weird. Bigger head on a small body when you're used to seeing them this way. It's it's a different vibe. It's a different vibe for all my guys losing all that weight. Out hey, there. it's funny though, because like, you know, people talk about high school reunions and see who put on the weight. <laughs> yeah. But like for NFL ball players you know, we got to be a certain weight and you got to stay in shape. And even yeah. if alignment are big, you know, we're, we're paid to be big. It's when you see each other five or 10 years later that you start messing with each other. <laughs> you know, first time I saw, 
you know, Fred Jackson and LaShawn McCoy, you know, they might have been up five pounds, but hey, guys, you know, you can I'm see it though. Up, you're going the other, you know, just <laughs> messing with those guys. And so, and so it's funny seeing who goes one way and who goes the other. All right. So we also mentioned you are a, a businessman. How do you decide um, what products you'll endorse and what ventures fit who you are? Yeah, so that's a great question. So I never endorse anything I don't personally use. And okay. I don't know the people behind because, man, you get one reputation. It takes four seconds to create a, a reputation and four years to change it back if you blow it's it. True. And, and so, you know, stuff that I use or that that I know the and I know the people behind it. As far as investing, this this is way too simple because there's a lot of that goes in on the finance side and everything else. But I listened to Kobe Bryant talk about one time that he chooses investments and very successful investor when he was still yeah. alive. Kobe Bryant said, I want people that are obsessed with a product, like just absolutely obsessed with it. You could feel it from them and no backup plan. Like this isn't a side venture. This isn't a, hey, this is my fourth uh, startup. I've already made it. You know, yep. someone that has no backup plan and obsessed with, with whatever their product is. I'm rocking the shirt right now. Um, and, I, and I promise this wasn't just, I didn't put it on for this. But um, Dano Seasoning is a company out of Louisville. I meet this dude who's a straight hustler. Yeah. You know, he's, he's working at a bar selling chicken with a seasoning on it. And they said, man, this is so good. You should sell it. And he's like, I don't know about selling chicken. And he's like, wait, I should sell the seasoning. And he goes from going around to trade shows and barbecue festivals and whatnot he makes about a hundred grand COVID hits. Well, now that business model's gone. What is he going to do? Gets on TikTok, builds a huge following because he's funny and whatnot. And now there's a lot more pieces in place. It's a much bigger company, but they're doing eight figures in yearly revenue right now in over 13,000 retail stores. I mean, it's incredible what he's built. And so for me, it's fun to be a part of that Dano's team, you know, because and there's other teams that I'm on, you know, there's other investments I've made. But when you leave the NFL, you ask people, what do you miss the most? And it's the locker room. Yeah. Well, it's fun when you can get in the right business group or the right broadcast crew or whatever it may be. And it feels like that locker room again. Well, I heard you use the word team. I think that's so important. Uh, finding your own teams or, or whoever that may be. And how many teams do you say that you're a part of now? Cool. I got my home team first right. and foremost. Uh, I got my Bills team, the broadcast team that I'm that I'm working with weekly. Um, I have a team around me of, you know, financial advisors, CPA, people giving me advice, speaking in my life. I have a men's group that we meet weekly at our church here in Louisville, Kentucky, the guys that speak into me. I have an incredible friends group. And then I'd say, you know, I have these these business teams. But first and foremost, that would be the Danos team. The tagline for your podcast is how do you make your what's next in life, your best yet. How do you live that yourself? For me, it's just daily growth. One of the taglines underneath my book is stack wins. And so not every day is going to be a home run. There may be steps back, but are you stacking wins on a consistent basis? I often say that wealthy people don't play the lottery because they understand that wealth is not created overnight. But it's just those daily steps. And people often ask, and it, and, it, and it really hit me one time that I didn't have a great answer for them. They said, how do you go into the University of Louisville with one scholarship offer, the least heralded recruit of your class, and you're the one that ends up the first round draft pick? And I said, 
I just got better and better. Like I just, every single day I committed to getting better. And so it's for me personally, and for anyone out there, it's identifying the areas in your life you want to improve or you want to dig in on. And then it's just small daily wins, stacking those wins up. And then over time, yes, you may see that hockey stick effect where you see that just huge upward trajectory growth, but that's not always the case. Sometimes it takes years, but it's that just constant stacking of wins that I feel like will lead you to make your what's next in life your best yet. I mean, Eric, man, I just feel like you're just, bro, you might be one of the smartest centers I've ever met. So I, you, you are definitely checking all the boxes. I was telling my man Thomas earlier, he was like, centers are some of the smartest people on the field. I'm like, yes, but I don't think all centers are created equally. I think it's mm -hmm. most of them are really smart guys that help check protections. They're doing all these other things. But I think all the centers in the NFL and everywhere else in the world get credit for the ones that are smarter than most. And I think you check all the categories, my brother. Oh, I appreciate that. I truly do. That means a lot. You know what's funny? To be a great center, unless you have a quarterback like a Peyton Manning, a Drew Brees, right. a Tom that's just going to run, run the whole show. Right. A lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. Similar to a safety, a middle linebacker that's got to run the defense, get everyone on the same page. You have to be able to think quick on your feet. And you got to be able to communicate. You got to be able to communicate to anybody because not everyone's going to speak. You hope that everyone's speaking the same language, but they might not be. It might just be, hey, go left. For other people, <laughs> it might be some you know, special term. But it's amazing. You know, I had Mike Pouncey from the Dolphins on my podcast recently, and it's amazing, like, how we can feed off each other just two centers that are used yeah. to kind of running the show at the line of scrimmage and all that. So I, I truly appreciate those. Not words. only that, but you guys run the show, and you're usually the smallest one in the group. Right. You know what I mean? Like, but you get up there, you command it, you do what you got to do. I, I, I love that for you. I mean, I love that for most centers, the great ones. Pouncey's a, oh, come on, man. You guys are two of the best that's done it. Um, this is a question we like to always kind of end our show with. And you know what? I'm going to do two at one time. Well, not one time, but I'm, I'm going to throw another one in here. All right. Your Mount Rushmore of people that have influenced you or been special and mean the most to you in your life are who? Mm, that's that's a great question. You know, Mount, you know it's only like four. So. Yeah, I was going to say, Mount Rushmore's four. So I will say um, Jesus and how he lived, you know, put him number one. All right. Number two, I'll say my parents together. I'll make that a collective. Number right. three, I'll say my wife. And number four, I'll say... I'll say Bobby Petrino, and that may come as, as a surprise for a lot of people understanding what he's done outside. And, and this is not someone I have that close of a relationship with, but this is a guy that changed my life. He offered me my one scholarship offer. Yeah. And look, if you can get past the colorful language with Bobby Petrino, there is some pretty good messaging behind <laughs> it. But just the constant pressure he puts you on you on a day-to-day -day basis <laughs> When you get through it, like the games just feel easy and it <laughs> feels easy because it's, you know, you're just in this in this high pressure bubble at the facility. Um, I, I wish I, I, I may text you a different response later, but off the top of my head, I'll say those four. It is all good. I can't wait to see him and Jimbo Fisher together. I have no idea how this marriage is going to work. It's been Texas A&M. I, I just but hey, I'm here for it. I cover the SEC on a day to day basis. I can't wait. I, I think it's going it's going to be crazy. I think Jimbo and his uh, 
He has some flamboyant words, and he's really hard on quarterbacks. Now you have Bobby Petrino coming in to call the offense. I I don't even know. But, hey, I'm look, I'm all for it, honestly. And, and A&M's got more money than anyone <laughs> to bring in skill position players. I'll say this. Bobby's an incredible offensive mind. He has been humbled to a point of no return over the yeah. past 10, 12 years. And his relationship with his kids and grandkids now, he's different, you know, I haven't spoken to him on the phone in a little while. His text messages even seem different. He just yeah. seems like, like, I mean, being humbled can do a lot of things to a person. No doubt. And I'm excited that he's got a chance because you talk about competitiveness and needing football. This is a dude who needs football. This is what, he, you know, his dad was a coach. He played and he got right into coaching. It's what he loves to do. And so I'm glad he got another shot on a big stage. It's literally his whole life is what you're telling me. Right. All right. Now, Eric. Last question here, fill in the blank. Right now, my life is? Fulfilled. I love that. Every, uh, we've heard some different answers. Fulfilled is one that you cannot complain with, uh, complain about. And uh, it, it's really good to hear that from you, especially the way your, uh, your career ended, um, from everything going on in Buffalo right now. Uh, you seem on top of the world, brother, and you're doing some really great things. Uh, with your businesses, your podcasts, um, anything, uh, every the, the TV, and uh, especially in life. And I'm taking things from you just from this conversation today. I will start being graded in my house on a weekly basis. So I appreciate you, Eric Wood. Thank you for joining us. No, my pleasure, Roman. I appreciate you having me on. Tell Peanut I said hi and uh, look forward to just continuing to follow you guys and I'll tell you what, there's a lot of men out there that have taken that advice about the weekly grades and, and love it and love it. Sometimes they cringe for the answers, but, uh, but they love it. Dude, hey man, I'm, I'm willing to accept my bad grade and get better, all right? No doubt. No all right, doubt. I love it. All right, man, well look, thank you to all our listeners for tuning in. This is the NFL Players Second Acts Podcast. We'll see you later. Peace. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.